Welcome in. One and all, man, what a day. What a day. So you wake up some mornings and you go, you know, it's not a bad day. You know, the sun is shining. Leaves are turning. Kind of pretty outside. You know, a lot of leaves fell after yesterday's storm blew through, but that's okay. It looks like fall, right? So you wake up. And, you know, Paul Charchian this morning, he's texting me, and we're kind of going back and forth and, uh, you know, kind of giggling a little bit and talking about what's upcoming in the uh, the guillotine leagues and, you know, where my craptastic team sits. Even though I'm still alive, I can proudly say that. So we're going back and forth a little bit. Kristen's traveling, so she texted me. Didn't sleep well in a hotel room last night. Couldn't stand the pillows, and the bed was hard and the whole thing. Okay. And then you see the story. And you see the crawl as you're flipping through, and there's the NFL Network, and then ESPN's got this big, and I'm like, what? what is this all about? And then Ben texts me and says, did you see this? And then it drops, the Daniel Snyder story. Holy crap. Now, let me say this, and knowing what I know about the journalism side of things, uh, I did some work years and years and years and years ago. As a reporter for a news outlet in Cincinnati, I did a couple of national things. Uh, I just I, I like doing talk more than I just like doing straight news. Um, but as a reporter and as an, a company, you have to be really sure, really sure of what you're going to print because you always have the liability side of things to deal with in case it's not true, okay? And we've seen this. I mean, Doug Gottlieb just got busted for this, where he had embellished and made something up about uh, something. I, I don't remember specifics, but it was somewhat of a big deal. Um, and he was, and he's a talk show host. Kind of gave the uh, I know this to be true type of opinion. So you got to be sure of what you're printing specifically when you put it in print, okay? So for ESPN to write this story, even though Daniel Snyder's attorneys are ripping ESPN for putting this out there, ESPN and their reporters have to be unbelievably sure that they have this story, that their information is true, and or the even though the sources did not want to go on record, they have to have most likely recordings of these conversations. Most people who write usually do have recordings. They have a recorder of some type going. Um, I believe every word of this. I, and the reason I believe this Here's the reason why, is because I have seen the ugliness of the NFL in certain situations. And I've always told people, I said, look, I, I love the game of football. I love the enjoyment we get out of it as a society. I love the enjoyment we get out of it as a community. I love all of that. I, I love the sport. I love fall. I live for it. I, it's just footballs, that's inbred in us. It's, it's our state, okay? We can't wait for it. Um... 
But there is an ugly, ugly side of the business that is very much a turnoff. And I've always equated it to those who are, you know, vegans or vegetarians. They say, you know, hey, if you ever saw how the pigs or the cows were killed, you wouldn't want a hamburger or a ham sandwich. Um, and they're right. Most of us wouldn't. Most of us wouldn't. So sometimes you don't want to look behind the curtain. As a fan, you're like, eh, I'm, I'm good. I just, just let me enjoy the game. It's just my escape for three hours. I just, just leave me alone. And I understand that. I, we have talked about that. I completely appreciate that. But there is an ugliness to this business. And the most powerful thing I've always been told, always, going back from taking journalism in college to when my dad was bringing me up. My dad always said, and then it was brought up to me again when I was taking journalism and, and working in business, the most powerful thing in the world is not money. It is information. Information leads to money. Information leads to everything. It can lead to freedom. It can lead to protection. It can lead to money. It can lead to power in many different ways. And Daniel Snyder knows that. And that's the reason he has not. And we've all wondered out loud, why is this scumbag still an owner? Why is he still in the NFL? And we all know because if he gets ousted, the floodgates could open. And it really appears like a lot of owners are beholden to him because he knows where the bodies are buried. You know? That's why politics are so dirty. You know, you get people that are not upstanding, you know, moral people. And even the littlest thing can be taken and blown up. And if you find out about that information, suddenly you've got power over that person, you know? So this whole story, this whole thing, this, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, to, to borrow the T.O. Uh, comment, get your popcorn ready. Because this is this has got to come to a head. Because remember, it just quieted down. I said it just—it's really weird. I thought for sure that Daniel Snyder would be tracked down by the government. I thought for sure he, they'd yank his ass on Capitol Hill. I thought for sure that there would be outrage in the NFL community. That the owners would be voting. This guy would be out. That they, all and all, it just shh—got shh, 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 shh. quiet. And you're like, what the hell? Why? Why did it get quiet? Now you know why. Now you know why. Give I give credit to ESPN, man. I give credit to ESPN. Um, fantastic story. Don Bonata, um I, I tell you what, Seth Wickersham, very, very good. Tisha Thompson, I don't know her as well, but Don Bonata and uh, Seth Wickersham, both guys, fantastic. Really, really good writers. They know their stuff, man. This is awesome. Ben, when you read this this morning, was this the, um, I almost picture you sitting there rubbing your eyes and then going, wow, and this is awesome. Now, I heard part of your discussion with Evo and them, and everybody's trying to figure out how old Daniel Snyder's wife, Tanya, is. But uh, were you guys just salivating, and we're just all now waiting. We, we either need it in a 30 for 30 or we need it in some kind of a Netflix docuseries or something. But it, eventually the truth has to come out, right? Oh, yeah. And he's saying he has dirt on all the other owners. The big question this morning is, what dirt does he find on the Packers owners, all of them across the state? Is he oh, outside right. your house? 
trying to find something on you? Is he going after Grant Bills? That's my biggest question with this thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and to to my answer to that is, I have got you know, it's not like do you have a skeleton in your closet? I, mine's just full of bones, uh, and I don't even care anymore. You know, my my closet's like you know, people all the time say. You've got an opinion. You've got a name. This and that. Do you maybe run local office and then kind of grow from them? Like, no, I, I would never run for office because, one, it's just dirty and you really don't care for it. Uh, but, but two, it's just like you know, I would spend my entire life dissecting all the crap that I did. That just all the, all the stupid stuff that I did, <laughs> and that's it. I just. You know, on this date, did you really rip the screens out of the apartment building and slide down the hill? Oh, yes, ma'am. Yes, I did that. Yes. Did you take toilet paper and smear it all over your buddy's house and then wrap his car up with saran wrap? Yeah, that was me. I, I did that. <laughs> you know, uh, I would have to spend my entire life, you know, exposing all the, the bones in the closet. But, yeah, this is going to be an incredible story if and when it ever comes out. And I think now... The more the NFL doesn't do something, doesn't it make the NFL look bad? Yeah, I don't know how they look good. Um, And part of this to me is just Snyder trying to grasp at straws and say he has things uh, just in order to save face or whatever. But, yeah, if they don't do anything, then you it makes you think the information he has is quite damning, which I don't doubt that it is. My thought is maybe we kill Bert, uh, not kill. Uh, that's the wrong word. Maybe we get two bad owners out at the same time, you know? Maybe we get Dan Snyder out. He throws some information out there. Jerry Jones follows him, and then the world's well, a better Jerry place. Jones, Jerry Jones, happy birthday to Jerry Jones. He turns, what, 80 today? Yeah, it's all happening on Jerry Jones's birthday. Yeah, which he turns 80 today. I'm funny. So uh, I think Jerry Jones is going to get to the point where he just doesn't care. And he'll get out of the operational aspect of the Dallas Cowboys anyway. His time is coming to an end. Whether, you know, and I don't wish ill will on him by any stretch, but whether it's he just gets too old to do it anymore or he dies. You know, he's 80 years old. Um, So we'll see. But I, I just think Jerry's going to get to the point and go, you know what, the hell with it. I don't care. You know, what I did when I was in my 50s, okay, if i got to leave in shame, I've owned the Dallas Cowboys, built this empire, I'll turn it over to my son. Okay, Steve, go ahead and run this thing. All right. No harm, no foul. He's still got money. Not going anywhere. But everybody else, I mean, when you guys were talking before about what do you think the dirtiest NFL franchises are, um, I think we have to look at the Raiders and what's gone on. Although Al Davis... When Al Davis was alive, Al Davis was a football man. I'm not going to say he was an upstanding owner, but he was take no prisoners. He's like, I don't care. I'm going to fight you at every turn because I'm going to fight for what's right and what's right for me. So I don't know if he was dirty or just obstinate. I think his son's a creep, but I don't know if that franchise is dirty or they just live life the way... They are portrayed, and that is just take no prisoners. We're badasses. We don't care. We are who we are. You know, this. what you see is what you get. So I don't know if they're dirty. I would say Jerry Jones has got a bunch of creepy stuff in the in the, in the the closet. Uh, Stephen Ross, we would assume, has a bunch of creepy stuff in the closet. Jimmy Haslam, a bunch of creepy stuff in the closet. Daniel Snyder, he's got a whole storage warehouse facility with creepy stuff in the closets. Um, 
But the rest, I don't know. Stan Kroenke? I mean, Stan Kroenke's on the hook for, uh, what is it, $721 million that they now have to pay to the city of St. Louis for the moving of the franchise out to L.A.? And that vote is coming up as to whether or not the NFL is going to help bail him out of that because he forced his way out of St. Louis. So that's coming up. I mean, you know, I would assume if I had to say, is Stan Kroenke the most upstanding? I'm sure there was some arm twisting and some some backroom deals made to get them to go from St. Louis to L.A. and to get that kind of a stadium built. So, yeah, I'm going to – I would probably nod to the dirty side. Um, The Packers – you know, I mean, people are asking the Packers. I don't think the Packers are dirty. I think the Packers are wrap your arms around everything and micromanage every detail to your benefit. I don't, I'm don't. i not saying that's dirty. I'm just saying it's just difficult to work with at times. Because, you know, like we said, we call the place Red China. I mean, the, the information that comes out. Although Mike Clemens has said it time and again, when you look at Tom Brady, who does a two-minute interview, because he has to, and Aaron Aaron Rodgers, who yesterday did almost 20 minutes. I mean, the accessibility, you may not get a lot at times, but at least there's somewhat accessibility there. But you look at guys like Devondre Campbell, Preston Smith, uh, you're supposed to have every player available. And it's it's you, you don't get that nearly as much. You know, they kind of do the Marshawn Lynch thing that, you know, We'll open the locker room and bring guys in with a minute remaining to say we did it, but, you know, we're kind of not doing it. But I don't think they're dirty. Who else would you consider to be dirty, you know? I don't know if I'd consider somebody said Ziggy Wolf. No, I don't. I, I, I've never heard a bad word about Ziggy Wolf or that family. Not one. Who else would you think would be dirty? I mean, the Bears for ruining my guy Justin. <laughs> right? Um, the Bears, I... That's a great question because the Bears live in a dirty city. That 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 whole there's no way you spend six hundred and seventy five million dollars on that craptastic stadium for the renovation when the Packers got what they got for two hundred and seventy five million. You just it just it's unfathomable. You just you can't do it. It's such a dump, and the problem with the Parks Department. And, I mean, you know, half half of the police department, fire department, city officials, when they retire, they retire to Lake Geneva. You see and hear all these guys and girls down in Lake Geneva. So when you go down, I'm seeing friends or whatever, and they're all gathering, and you listen to the stories. It's like, God, God. If you, now, I'm sure it's, you know, embellishing stories from the good old days. But, holy crap, come on. <laughs> you know, I mean, how long have they had construction on the Beltway? You know, it, it, forever. I moved here in 1999, and they were the whole bottom of that 80, 90 corridor was under construction then. It's still the same. Where's the money going? So anyway, uh, I would say maybe the Bears, but I, I, but I can't believe the McCaskey family. Maybe the McCaskey son would be, but I can't believe the McCaskey family would be that deep into the ugliness of uh, the Chicago politics, so to speak. But, yeah, it's just very interesting stuff, and I can't wait for all the details to come out. We'll talk more about it as uh, as the day goes on, no doubt. We've got uh, today, we're going to hear, because we didn't get a chance yesterday when we got off the air, uh, to hear Aaron Rodgers. We're going to hear uh, some of Aaron Rodgers today. 
Uh, also, Paul Charchian is going to be here. We're going to talk with Paul coming up a little bit later on in the program. Do our fantasy. So if you got fantasy questions today, get them in. Bring them on because we're going to get into all that stuff coming up here a little bit uh, a little bit later on. Uh, also, uh, we've got, uh, speaking of scandals, we got an update on the fishing scandal. So that's coming up. Uh, plus, we got Pete Doherty uh, in about 45 minutes, 50 minutes, or 40 minutes from now. Uh, Pete Doherty, the Green Bay Press-Gazette, going to be joining us. And also, uh, Ben and I are going to make our picks and give, us, give you the tally uh, of our picks against the spread. Picking with the spread. So we got that coming up here in just a little while as well. It is, uh, it is a wonderful, wonderful day when you talk about the load of information we have today. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network. Had a fantastic time last night at the Mecca Sports Bar and Grill. Uh, don't know where we're at yet for next week, but uh, as soon as I find out, we'll let you know for sure. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Talk Network. Good to have you. Packers now getting ready for the New York Jets, and some are picking the upset. The Jets to come in and knock off the Packers. The Jets' defense, seven picks so far this season. They get after the quarterback with hits and hurries and sacks. Meanwhile, their offense, not bad. Uh, The Green Bay Packers' offense has struggled somewhat, as we all know. The defense has played rather soft at times. And to talk more about it, our buddy Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press-Gazette now joining us uh, on the hotline. Pete, how you been? Good, Bill. How you doing today? I'm doing well. Um, The whole London experience, did you go to London? I did. So how was the experience? I mean, just for you personally. It was good. It was uh, it was pretty cool. It was short. I mean, your you know red eye flight Thursday night, and coming home you know Monday afternoon London time Monday morning our time. So it was pretty short, but uh, it was a neat experience. It's a you know it's a really cosmopolitan uh, you know busy city and lots going on and a lot of life there. Uh, so it was cool to see that. And uh, I didn't know what to expect for the atmosphere from the games or from the game. You know, I, whenever I've caught parts of the London games on TV, you know, it just it didn't come across very well. It just seemed sterile. But to be there in person, I mean, the atmosphere was great. It was festive. Um, it was just like being at an NFL game in the States. It was really it was good. The uh, the uh, well, by the way, I I do remember you were there because you asked the question. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't on Zoom or anything. But you asked the question, and I gave you kudos after the game for asking about the play calling, for asking about abandoning the run, and, and you kind of went there. And I and I remember Aaron Rodgers saying, "I don't like where the line of questioning is going," but he respected it because it was true. It was the obvious, you know, eight hundred pound, you know, gorilla in the room. So give me your thoughts on what the Packers did there. And what's going on with the play calling? It seems like the first 25 that are scripted are really, really good, and after that it goes just dead. Yeah, and it's there's some combination, which we'll never fully know because they'll never reveal it, of, you know, they've got the can plays where it's a run call, but there's an automatic pass that it could switch to depending on what the defense does. 
and all he has to do is say, I think he just says the word can, and it switches, uh, he being the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are – he can just – Rodgers can completely audible and change the play to something he likes. Um, and we never know – we can never know how much they do all that and how much it's the call from the sideline and how much it's him. But somewhere in there, there's – you know, it's happened a couple times this season where they get away from the run – and the strength, I, I, you know, the, basically what he said was it was on that three and out in the fourth quarter. He said he liked all three of those calls, Rodgers did, even though they were all pass calls by LaFleur. And based, I asked him, well, you know, considering how the team is built now where the running backs the strength, even if you like those calls, do you have to just not do them as much? And that's when he gave the answer you said. He goes, you know, I don't like the line of questioning. But maybe, you know, when I took it, his body language, it wasn't like he was, you know, upset. It was, he got the sense he was saying, God, I hope it's not, that's not the case, but maybe it is. And I think it is. And I think the coach and the quarterback have to realize that and call some runs when they'd rather throw the ball and just stick with it and put the ball in the hands of their two best guys and especially their best guy, Aaron Jones. I, uh, I I get the sense because I the the answer that he gave after that when he said I don't call the I didn't call him but I like him um, was that one of those hey don't blame me I'm not calling the I'm not calling that or was that a hey uh, I'm not calling those but I, I like what he's sending to me oh it's a little bit of both but I'm sure part of it is don't blame me um, but he did. I don't doubt that he did like him. I think he's got a role. He's got influence in the game plan. He's got a lot of influence in the game plan. He and the coach talk a lot about all these things. And I think it's the offense is theirs. It's those two guys, and they both have huge responsibility for it. And I think they both have to just face up that this is a different team, and they have this all-time great thrower at quarterback, but to win, they're going to have to play a lot differently than they have for the past three years and past, you know, 10 or 12 or whatever, really. Um, this week, the Jets come into town. Defensively speaking, the Jets, seven picks. They got so many quarterback hits and hurries and sacks, and it seems like a defense that really gets after it. This is not a game in which it's going to be conducive for Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball, you would assume, correct? Yeah, you would. you wouldn't think so, and, you know, I don't know if there's going to be any game where it's conducive for him to throw it unless somebody just, you know, sells out on stopping the run. It's just it's just going to be a matter of picking and choosing their moments of throwing it. And the games are going to have to look a lot more like New England than last week if they're if they're going to win. And sometimes it won't be pretty, but their chances of winning are are going to be a lot better if they keep feeding the ball to 33 and 28. And picking and choosing when to have, you know, when to throw and what types of pass calls to make. I had said this on Monday, and I'm going to ask you if it if it's true. Um, I said, and I, the question was posed to me: Is this offense fixable? And that meaning the passing game, the downfield, all of that. My uh, what I said was it's not fixable, but it can get better at best. Do you believe that, or do you think this is indeed fixable? Yeah, I, I guess it depends what you mean by fixable. If you mean, can it be good enough to take them all the way to the finish line? Um, 
if the defense gets better too, yeah, it, it can. I mean, Aaron Jones is a great player, and A.J. Dillon's a very good one, and Romeo Dobbs is super talented, and he's going to get better, and Tunyon's going to round into shape. Maybe they'll start using DeGuara. That's that's part of the, the change in what they look like is using DeGuara more and not getting big plays, but running the ball better with lining them up at fullback and then throwing little passes to them that gain, you know, four to eight yards. Uh, that's how they're going to have to look. It won't, it's not going to be pretty like it was the last couple of years or in 2011 where they're slinging it. But um, I still am not, I'm not writing this team off. I still think they have a really good chance of being 12 and five, but they just have to face up to who they are and stick with it. Even when it feels like they shouldn't. The uh, the defense uh, has been uh, you know the the point of a lot of arguments and a lot of criticism this week. Uh, how good is this defense? And I ask you this because is it the personnel or is it Joe Barry's scheme that makes this thing look soft? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, they've had their moments. I I still think. I mean, their personnel is good, isn't it? I mean, they've got a couple right. of game wreckers and some good players. Some you know, Alexander's really good. I don't know. I. I still think the personnel is good i so i'm inclined to think that right now they're not getting the most out of the out of the players with the scheme and and how they're running it and this the nfl is all about adjustments right you know and um in game and in season and i think back to when they moved matthews the middle linebacker in 14 and they went from like the 19th ranked defense to over the last eight games they were like ninth in points which was a nice jump you know, they you got to make in-season adjustments, and I think Joe, it's incumbent on Barry to run a to you know run his defense where he's getting more out of his secondary. Those guys are good cover guys, that and they're sitting back in zone coverage all the time. It's a zone scheme, but that doesn't mean you can't mix in man on third downs, and you can't blitz more and uh, or blitz blitz differently than they have. So I. I don't know where you come down, but I come down on, I think it's probably more on, you know, the coaching staff has to uh, make some changes uh, in what they're doing. I, I completely agree. I go back to last year when I think it was game two or game three, halfway through that Detroit game and that defense was getting torched. And I think it was Matt LaFleur went to Joe Barry and said, hey, you got to do something here. You know, you got to change it up. And that's from that point on, and suddenly things began to get better. I wonder if another one of those uh, meetings or come to Jesus, hey, you need to do something because we can't survive like this and we cannot live without you getting some turnovers throughout the season. I wonder if at some point they don't change things up, you know? Yeah, I suspect that that conversation did take place. I don't know that it did. Doubt that they'll reveal if it did, but uh, I I would bet that it did. Special teams-wise, give me your assessment of the special teams five games into this thing so far and Rich Bisaccia's uh, tenure. Pretty good. Uh, coverage looks good. Um, the punter looks really good. Um, but no return game because they don't have a returner. Who scares anybody except for maybe the Packers on the possibility that he might fumble? Right. The uh, the Amari uh, Rogers thing. If a, if Kylan Hill comes back, do we expect Amari Rogers to be, you know, uh, as a third round draft choice to be let go? I I don't I wouldn't think so. I mean, you never know. Um, I don't think so. The ball's always not playing. I was stunned when he 
out there last last week. I looked out there in the fourth quarter, and he was on the field for a play. Um, that's a good question. It's something I hadn't thought about, to be honest with you. You know, because he'll probably will be ready to go in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and I'll have to make a move somewhere. Now maybe somebody gets hurt, and that makes the decision for him. Uh, but I just, you know, who are they going to have return punts? I guess they could put Cobb back there and just make sure he catches it and not worry about whether you get any yardage or not. Um, yeah, I guess I don't know. I third round pick, I'd be a little surprised if they made a, made an in season move. But um, you know, I think it's pretty clear by now that he's not the guy they projected to be when they when they drafted him. I mean, you, a lot of times you got to give these guys time. But um, you know, there's been an ample time and opportunity for Amari Rogers. I think it just probably ain't happening with him. Yeah, that third-round draft pick, Oren Burks, Jay Sternberger, Amari Rogers, these guys just have not panned out with the expectation that they've had coming in as third-round draft choices for the Packers. Uh, I want to go back to the postgame. Aaron Jones and Jair Alexander both had comments that raised some eyebrows. Uh, I'm not saying that they were you know, directed strictly at coaching, but it certainly made us go, oh, wait a minute, you don't normally hear stuff like that. Aaron Jones saying, you know, I'd have picked it up. I think you give us two cracks at it, basically calling into question the play calling, and then Jair Alexander calling into question whether or not there's concerns about the defense. Did either of those seem bigger or less big than what were made? What they were made out to be? Uh, I mean, they were, you know, they were definitely subtle uh, criticisms of the of the coaching basically but if you actually listen to the answers the way they framed them you know it's not like they were just you know because sometimes players will strongly criticize their coaching in the heat of the moment after a game and you didn't get that vibe but uh look i you know i don't blame them i think both guys are being a little misused i mean alexander this is zone scheme so they got to play with their sure zone but Alexander's a really good man-to-man cover guy. That Stokes' thing, too. So they got to mix more of that in. And 33 is their best guy on offense. And they, he's got to touch the ball 16 to 20, 22 times a game. You know, Dylan's really good, too, so they can have him handle a lot of it. But 33 is the guy who can he can break off a big play anytime he touches the ball. So, you know, any criticism that was implied in there is, is justified. Um, Michael Balco put out, I don't know if you did, if you saw this or not, um, that he was told, he says, and he's worked with ESPN and rivals and USA Today and such that, uh, people have told him that Aaron Rodgers plans on retiring at the end of the season. Now this hit yard Barker today and such. And, uh, my question is, first of all, do you get that indication at all that Aaron Rodgers would say, you know what, this is going to be it for me. And secondly, if let's say that's true, what financially does that do to the team? I did not see that report, Bill, so that's interesting. Um, no idea whether to believe it or not, though. I mean, a huge, huge part of me has a lot of trouble thinking he's going to walk away. He's going He'll make $59 million next year, and it's guaranteed. All he has to do is show up, you know, not retire, and he gets $59 million. If, if he played so poorly, the backers cut him, they'd still have to pay him. That's a lot of money to walk away from. So I have a lot of trouble seeing that. Now, maybe he's just kind of worn out and had enough, and he'd be the rare bird who would walk away from it. But I have serious doubts about that. Um, The financial uh, ramifications would be big. All that money that they've cap money that they keep pushing down the road with him would all accelerate to next year's cap. 
they would remove the $59 million payment, but I did look this up recently, and I think it would still cost an extra like $8 million on the cap. So they'd have a huge amount of dead money and $8 million less on the 23 cap than they have right now. So um, there's pretty big financial ramifications, but after one year it's over. Um, so that's, that's interesting, but, you know, we're probably going to see all sorts of stuff about this and between now and, you know, February or, or you know, probably late February or early March would be when he'd actually announce a decision one way or the other. Always great to talk to you, my friend. I certainly appreciate it, and we'll chat again soon, okay? Okay, thanks for having me, Bill. All right, buddy, talk to you soon. There you go. That's Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press-Gazette joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline. Yeah, there's a, uh, a report out there, and I did see it. I, I was going to get into this in a little bit, but uh, Yard Barker, uh, which is a, a website, uh, it puts out uh, that Aaron Rodgers has revealed to some his retirement plans, Michael Balco says that he, he, quote, I have spoken with some people within the Packers organization, and they told me the quarterback Aaron Rodgers has made it clear that he plans to retire following this season. Uh, he tweeted that out as he has spoken with many people in the Packers organization. So, um, I don't know. Implications of retirement, uh, if Rodgers decides to hang it up after the season, there is a financial side but mostly we would uh, finally get to see the start of the Jordan Love era. There are some subtle signs pointing to, to this being true. Rodgers is being much more adamant on uh, getting certain guys involved. He's been vocal about free agents that he wants to bring in. Basically, he seems to know that the end is near, and he wants the best team possible, and he wants a shot to win one more. Could he change his mind? Of course. But, I, but we've, we've talked about this even before the season got underway, that this could be a possibility. Bill, I'm but, looking through this guy's Twitter. Yeah. I would uh I would hesitate to believe what he is tweeting. I see I find it hard to believe as well, but it's out there. Somebody with a blue check mark that is a reporter, if you will, has put it out there. So it's something now you got to talk about. I find it hard to believe. I even uh, I'm tweeting this now. I said I even have a lot of trouble believing that he would walk away from the Packers and leave them on the hook for the uh, for the cash and financially cripple the team for at least a season. Uh, not to mention the competitive and look at it this way: it would be year two of those young wide receivers, which that's when they take that next step. You know. I'm kind of leaning leaning towards uh, false news. But it's out there. So you got to deal with it. How much you deal with it, I guess, you know, we'd wait and see. But very interesting. Uh, let's do this. I believe, you know, many people are already jumping on the it's clickbait. Um, I, I would kind of go towards that. But you know what? I, 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 let me say this. I know what it's like to come on a program and say, this is what I heard, this is what I believe, here it is. And to be completely dismissed, scorned, FU'd in the public. Because that happens immediately. What happened along the way then became true, and nobody comes back to you and go, you know what, sorry about that. I mean, I had national people attack me. Nobody ever came back and went, you know what? Even after Shanahan said, yeah, we, we made the call. 
We did what we did. Yeah, that's right. Correct. And nobody calls you back and goes, hey, by the way, you know, your your reputation's back intact. So I'm not quick to jump on people, but in this particular case, I'm kind of like, mm, I don't know if I necessarily believe that. Uh, we're going to step out. More of the Bill Michael Show next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.